Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. Folks, once again, it's Thursday. You know what that means? Our favorite segment, and I think your favorite segment every week on Make It Plain gets a lot of downloads. Uh, and it's appropriate because, of course, we are here with the founder. Uh, the founding mayor of the largest online progressive community, Daily Coast. I'll take the that. Founder of the largest and most accurate <laughs> polling firm <laughs> in the world. <laughs> with a <key. laughs> Reverend Mark Thompson's our PR department, marketing and PR. He won't even let me get it, get it out, y'all. And lastly, of course, but not least, um, the most popular, most downloaded podcast also uh, in the world, uh, The Brief. Uh, Marcos Melissus joins us now. Hey, buddy. <laughs> How are Still you? Still one out of three. Still one out of three. <laughs> I appreciate the marketing push, Mark. Yeah. Gotta do I'm, doing, gotta do. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Making a little bit of sense, I hope. Um, so a lot happening. And I asked you this last week, but now that it's actually happened, let me just ask again to be clear. Liz Cheney. I mean... I'm, I'm, she doesn't matter much to us as Democrats. Does she do anything? Does ousting her do anything in terms of independent voters? No. No, nobody knows. I mean, that, that, the, when you're really talking about an independent voter, you're talking about somebody who's not paying enough attention to pick a side. And so there's, there's no, I mean, this mythical person that weighs the pros and cons of both. It's very clear what each party stands for. And yeah, you can disagree with this tenet if you're a Democrat. You know, okay, I don't like this part about the Democratic Party. If you're a liberal, you might, or if you're a conservative, you might think the same thing. But people who are paying attention and are engaged, pick a side. And so if you're an independent or you're undecided, it's just because you're just not really paying that much attention or you're one of those people that's like, oh, I like Arnold Schwarzenegger because I saw him in a movie. And so suddenly, you know, 
that's how you're making your decisions. So, no, I don't think it makes a difference. What it does do is it cements a battle in 2022 between Trump and Biden. And because Republican Party has surrendered itself to Donald Trump, still don't understand why. He's a loser. He lost the White House, only third president in the last hundred years. He lost the House. He lost the Senate. He lost countless state legislatures, local offices. He lost so much. He caused Republicans so much. And they decide they're going to stick with this loser. That's the part I don't get. But um, they did it. And the, I think this this Liz Cheney thing is sort of the that's that's the hammer in the in the coffin, right? The last nail is they, they, they decided, yep, we're all in for Trump. We're going to cancel anybody. I'm going to use your stupid language. We're going to cancel anybody in our party that criticizes Donald Trump. And it's going to shape 2022. Instead of being a referendum on the incumbent, which midterms always are, it's going to be Trump versus Biden 2.0. And that puts us as Democrats in a much better place because history is not kind to a brand new president in his first midterm elections. I think the average is like 35 house seats. I mean, it's brutal. It's like bloodbath territory. Even even when he's doing well. You're right. So that happens. But 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 Marco, so let, let me let me just let me ask a question another way though. You still don't think so if if the context and everyone's clear, even independents, I don't think independents are on the fence about January 6th and what that was, right? No. If the context for Liz Cheney's out is that she refuses to go along with the, the big lie that Trump actually won in January 6th was okay. Mm -hmm. You still don't think that'll rub some independence a certain way? Because it's, it's more than just her. I mean, it, it's it's centered around that falsehood. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, I think you're right. It will be about Trump and Biden, which is a good thing for us. But obviously... We can infer they're going to continue to promote that lie even in 2022. I mean, they're backing down off of it. They're, nobody's saying, oh, no, he actually lost. Uh, you're not hearing that emphatically. So I think it all kind of goes together, doesn't it? Independence, when they start, they're not paying attention now. When they start paying attention, it's really going to come down to, oh, I've been getting checks in the mail for my kids. Or uh, I have a job. I mean, that's what independents are really going to be. I mean, when you're not engaged politically, you're not paying attention. You're not watching CNN. You're not watching. You're not watching Fox News. You're watching ETV or MTV. If that's still a thing. Um, and you're watching that mailbox with a check coming in. You're right. Good point. Yeah. 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 So I, I would I would look at, you know, my my teen son, who is, you know, more attuned to politics than most kids because. You know, he's my kid. Okay. Even then, though, he cares about music. He cares about his friends. You know, he's, he's getting ready to join the National Guard. He's going to basic next month. His mind isn't focused on what are Republicans doing today or what are Democrats doing today. They're more focused on, like, my life is quit right now. My life is great. Or my life sucks. I lost my job. Everybody's, you know, sick with COVID. That's going to be the difference. And so when people tune in, it's going to be that, like, that, you know, that that almost cliche question, right, is the nation going in the right direction or not? And that's going to be like if they feel things are going in the right direction, um, they're going to be more likely to to want to vote Democratic. Now, here's the sort of the, the, the caveat. In the past, they just wouldn't vote in midterm. 
If it wasn't a presidential election. Now, if there's a clear delineation between Joe Biden and going back to the Trump years, that starts kind of shaking up the dynamics theoretically. Theoretically starts because independents don't vote in off year elections. Let's just I should have started with that. They just don't vote. Midterm elections are partisan turnout elections. So forget the independents. But now if you're if the argument is look, Trump is still there, they want to bring Trump back. It's all about Trump, 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 and the election becomes another referendum on Trump. Things are a lot different. Now I'm not saying that's what it's gonna be. Because who the heck knows? I think we're in uncharted territory right now. But if, you know, for us Democrats, for liberals, let's hope that's the case. Let's make 2022 into a referendum. Is your life today better than it was when Donald Trump was president? If yes, then you definitely need to vote Democratic. If not, <laughs> I mean, if you preferred when everybody was dying of COVID and people couldn't work and there was no life. And every morning you woke up that with dread over what horrible, crazy, racist, bigoted thing he said overnight on Twitter. That's what you want to go back to. Then by all means, I know there's 30 percent of America that believes that, that the, you know, at, the, at least. Yeah. Then go ahead and vote Republican because you're you're hopeless. So as the person who gave us the, the theory of the deplorable Trump voter turnout. OK, what is of these scenarios is more or is this scenario more advantageous to us or to them? That is to say, if Trump becomes the focus of 2022 and let's say he even decides to be visible. Does that help Democrats in terms of mobilizing our base and independents who decide <clears throat> against Trump, Trump's resurrection? Or does it hurt us because those deplorables are going to show up again who otherwise would not have shown up without seeing his face. I don't think the Trump deplorables turn out without Donald Trump in the on the ballot. They turn out to vote for Donald Trump. Um, now, it's a small, uh, the evidence for that is very small sample size. It's 2017, 2018, and 2019. Trump wasn't on the ballot. He campaigned for, Demo for Republican candidates. And Famously so, so in 2019, he campaigned in Kentucky and Louisiana, two blood red states, and Democrats won the governorships. So we have seen him try to rally his supporters, and it hasn't worked. In fact, the evidence suggests that Democrats overperformed in counties where Trump campaigned. Slow. Funny quirk. Again, small sample size could be could be statistical noise, but that that's that's what the evidence sort of suggests. Then we saw it again in the Georgia runoff election where um, Trump implored his people to vote Republican. I mean, he was also <laughs> such a mess, right? That's the advantage with Trump. Even when he's supposedly helping you out, he's really talking about himself. But he supposedly he tried, right? He he went to Georgia and he he gave Kelly Loeffler thirty seconds to make her case. <laughs> then he yanked her from the stage because it was about him. But even then, turnoff was That's down. Enough, That's enough. That's enough, sweetheart. It's time for me to talk. Yeah, right. <laughs> and interestingly, too, is that the biggest, the the more Trumpy the county, the bigger the drop off. So the biggest drop off in Republican votes was actually in uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's district up in northwestern Georgia, which is the reddest part of Georgia. And that, that was the biggest drop off. So we have examples 
of that Trump deplorable, that hidden deplorable vote not turning out when Trump is not on the ballot, does that mean that will continue into the future? Yeah, who knows, right? I suspect they won't. I says because they're about destroying things. They're not about building a Republican Party. So anytime Trump talks about and and you notice Trump never even talks about building a Republican Party. He never talks up the party. He's like, get don't send money to them, send it to me. So suddenly he's gonna turn around and and say, like, no, Democrat, you know, here, send money to the Republican Party and, and support Republican candidates. People don't, they're not, they're not responding to that. So I don't think, I don't think they will. But by having Trump on the ballot, by making the Republican Party the party of Trump, I think it helps motivate our voters who otherwise might stay home. So I think on the balance, it'll be a positive. It's in normal conditions, we would probably be looking at losing control of both the House and the Senate by having uh, Liz Cheney you know, thrown out of the party, by having the Republican Party become the party of Trump. It gives us a fighting chance. So I wouldn't really see it as much as does this move independence? I see this as does it keep our base partisans engaged? And I think it does. Does it bring back the Trump voter? I don't think it does. Okay. And what does that mean with the kind of candidates? Like, you know, we've talked about maybe Herschel Walker running for Senate as a Republican in Georgia because, you know, even though he's he's a Texan, because Donald Trump's got it in his head that the only way to beat Raphael Warnock, who is black, is to run a black candidate against him. When Georgia has a billion Republicans and a lot of them who've won statewide. So there, Georgia does not lack Republicans. But since Trump is meddling, I suspect he's going to make the situation worse. And that's not the only state I suspect that's going to happen. More MIP after this message. Or, or, we also know we've seen other times historically when they know they can't beat someone, a, a better candidate will not run. Trump is chasing away better, more moderate, more qualified candidates. Yeah. Nobody wants to be bothered with him. I mean, if you're a real, let's say you're a real Republican in Georgia and you have a shot and you're not crazy. You're not going to run. You're not going to run against Raphael Warnock because you can't even guarantee you won't be primaried by a, a crazy Trump candidate. For those of you who've never, uh, by the way, just here's our black history moment, black history lesson moment. For those of you who have not ever understood what tokenism is. OK, that's what Marcos is talking about. When you get the black dude that doesn't even live in a state <laughs> and just has a big name and run him. Who was the guy that ran against Obama? Senate. Alan Keyes. Oh, Alan Keyes. Oh my God. It was just, it was, it was, it was an embarrassment. It was just a total disaster. And and they recruit those kind of people. Those are the ones they attract. Poor Herschel. Uh, I shared with you all a clip of him that last week and it's just heartbreaking. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really kind of sad, but, but we go to win. You can't, we, Herschel can't beat uh, Raphael Warnock. And so that's what, that's what they do. That's the tokenism they'll use. And they'll probably use it in, in other places too. But again, that's helpful to us. But is it helpful enough? You have been talking about heretofore the pitfalls, the concerns about the Senate map. It, it does, so if, if Trump is figuratively on the ballot, does our Senate map look better, Marcos? Yeah, I think. I mean, if we have Herschel Walker running in Georgia, I mean, it, it, it makes things better. The Senate map gives us an opportunity, but it's also scary. It's, it's all 2020 battleground states. So it's Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Uh, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Arizona, 
Nevada, New Hampshire. Nevada, New Hampshire. I mean, Nevada was closer than we thought it was going to be. New Hampshire, not as much. But these are still all very, very competitive states, every single one of them. We have five good pickup opportunities. They have four good pickup opportunities. And so we could have a situation where everything's scrambled and, you know, one party comes out plus one. And uh, or we could have a, a 55, 45 Democratic map, or we can have a 5446 Republican map. I mean, all of these are really within the realm of possibility. And all of these are in states like like Florida. I mean, are, when, <laughs> like you know, as Democrats, nobody's depending on Florida for anything, right? I, can we really beat Marco Rubio? Maybe in some other state, but Florida, Florida has a habit of really breaking our hearts year after year after year. And it's an expensive state to play in, right? So we, we will, you know, Democrats will jump $100 million to lose by a point or maybe lose by even less, by 15,000 votes. Because then you have the layer of, of voter suppression. And I don't want people to think because they're doing voter suppression, we're going to lose because we have overcome Republican voter suppression in the past. And there's always the law of unintended consequences. So Florida, Republicans haven't had any problem winning Florida in recent years. They just passed a voter suppression bill that bans most vote by mail. In most states, maybe that affects you know Democrats. In Florida, the Republican Party of Florida literally invented vote by mail because of Florida's massive senior community which is also heavily, 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 like 70% Republican. And they just made it harder for their own people to vote. And what's worse is that they used to get automatic ballots sent to them. That's also been outlawed. So you're going to have a bunch of seniors at the last minute wondering where their ballot went when it's too late for them to do anything about it. So again, law of unintended consequences. Will it maybe help in the balance? Maybe. I don't know. But they're they're messing around with the machinery of elections in ways that may end up backfiring on them. And then the other factor is historically, this is actually quite interesting. Anytime there's been a voter suppression bill passed, it actually increases turnout with the suppressed community. The danger mark is if this continues for multiple cycles, Mm because then it becomes more ingrained and people get tired of fighting. But immediately, what, what Republicans are saying to our black, brown, and allied communities is they're saying, we're afraid of you, so we're going to make it harder for you to vote. And that's pretty freaking motivating. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah? <laughs> well, I'll show you. I'll stand in line eight hours. They shouldn't have to stand in line eight hours. But people will do it to give the middle finger to those Republicans. But what it does mean is that it's incredibly important. Obviously, we need a, we need a, we need a mansion-proof majority in the Senate. We need to pick up seats in the Senate so that we can pass the For the People Act that would, that would make it difficult for Republicans to suppress the vote. I'm not sure it's going to happen with Manchin. Manchin said he's interested in something slimmed down, so let's see what that looks like. Maybe something will pass, but, you know, <laughs> I, I but, wouldn't but, but, bet but on it. But now that you mentioned, that's a good point. I mean, I think not just in Florida, to be honest, before 2020, and January 2021, if I'm not mistaken, vote by mail was used mostly by Republicans. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they may be cutting their nose off despite their faces. That's good. Despite cutting their noses off despite their faces. By the way, I have to ask you this. I, I've been on some other shows and this has come up. The census redistricting and 
there have been certain places where Democrats are probably going to lose numbers because of undercount, because of lack of full participation in the census during COVID, which Trump wanted. They ended it earlier than it should have been. They didn't get to go door to door. Have you had a chance? I mean, I, I, I doubt you have. It's probably taking long analysis. We need more information. But have you had a chance to even take a cursory glance at what the census new numbers might do to redistricting and how that might affect Democrats? Like, I think New York is losing a seat. Texas is gaining seats. Other states are gaining seats. Yeah. Have you had a chance to look at that at all? No, um, it's it's literally way too early. There's some sort of broad themes, right? I mean, we know that that Republicans can draw about 33% of the seats. Democrats can draw about 18% of them. And the rest is nonpartisan redistricting panels and, and whatnot. That seems like, oh, shit, they can, they can do a lot more seats. But historically, we haven't had that many nonpartisan. Like, their, their share of districts that they can actually draw themselves has shrunk. Then there's, the, again, the law of unintended consequences where Texas should have had three seats. Had they counted the Latino community in Texas properly, they would have had three instead of two. Texas Republicans control the redistricting process. They, that, those extra three seats, they can draw those so they can they all be Republican. Yeah, they have the extra seats because of growth in the Latino community, but they could have drawn three new Republican districts. Now they only get two. Right. So by suppressing the counting of the Lat mostly the Latino vote, because they were afraid because there was the immigration issue. And, you know, they were sort of hinting that they might get they try to ask an immigration question and the courts threw it out. But if you're a Latino, you're like, you know, an undocumented immigrant. You're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm playing this one safe. I don't trust Trump. And, who, you know, with with good reason, they shouldn't trust Trump. But by doing that, they they suppress the the you know potential pickups in Arizona, in Florida, and in Texas. So that may have cost them a couple of seats. Then you have this real challenge that they're going to face: Do they draw districts based on the 2020 numbers when Trump was on the ballot, or do they draw them based on 2018 numbers when Trump was not on the ballot? And the 2018 map was a lot more Democratic. Trump brought out a lot of people in 2020. That again, the hidden deplorables. How do they draw those maps, right? And this is going to be a real dilemma because if they draw them based on 2020 maps, expecting these Trump uh, deplorables to turn out, that may backfire disastrously. That may cost them. But if they draw them based on on the 2018 maps when it was a more democratic electorate, that means they can draw fewer safe Republican districts. So that question alone is going to be really, I think, a, a vexing one for them. Then you still have population growth. You still have the, the trends that we're seeing with the suburban college-educated white vote and, of course, the black and brown and, and Asian vote all growing rapidly and more people voting. So there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, based on who, drafts, who draws the maps, what factors do they use? In drawing those maps, there's a lot of questions. And then so you look at New York and New York lost a seat. Who knows? Maybe the map makers, New York is a place where Democrats control the process. They can erase a Republican district. So, yeah, a Democratic state right. lost the seat doesn't mean the Democrats lost a seat. So that's all to say, who the heck knows? Because there's so many factors in play. And what's worse is that we're not even going to get the, the, the data that the states need until like late August. Before even the states get the number, the 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 
the granular precinct level data that they need to do to draw maps, then it's going to be a process. So we're probably not going to know till the fall okay. what the house looks like. Okay. Okay. More MIP after this message. That's why we love Marcos, folks, because he's able to articulate in a way no one. Long ass answer to the simple question. No, 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 but it's not a simple question. It's 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 complicated, and you're right. It's it's a lot of nuance to that, and a lot of factors, and we need to know. And I, I'm, I, you know, I was in another conversation recently where it was it was a lot more cut and dry, and I wasn't sure about that. Uh, but I mean, you raise a good point because there there's a there are ways for them to hurt themselves as you described in Texas and in some other situations. So this will be very interesting. Uh, but again, it goes back to my current thesis, my ongoing thesis and every conversation I'm having with people, uh, the importance of local action, local organization, local mobilization, because this happens on a local level. Yeah, You're not gonna be able to tweet re about redistricting. That's not a national, it, it, uh, Twitter cannot, be the solution to everybody's situation mm -hmm. it's about organizing in that locale you know and as i said before i was on with a group of people the other day in a locale where they have a legitimate local struggle and they were like well we need nash i said no you all need to organize locally that's where this is going to happen and and we don't need to reinvent the wheel and again i keep saying dr king won the nobel prize marcos for what he did in one city he didn't win a Nobel Prize because he had already become a national leader and was knocking down walls nationally. What happened in Montgomery in one place? It was that mm -hmm. that sparked a national movement. And that had a ripple effect everywhere. Then he went to another city and another city because because all politics ultimately is local. So when it comes to this redistricting, like the census and everything else, when it comes to voting, local elected officials, you're not going to change the police unless you vote locally. We're not going to be the tweet. And we can't do it nationally either because all police are governed lo locally. All election boards are local. Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And so as 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 immediately gratifying as it is to tweet something and get 10,000 retweets from all over the, the world. Yeah, it means nothing. If, if you aren't if you aren't tangibly translating that into local. And I had to talk to a group of people. I mean, and it was hard. We had to really get this and say, you all, this is what you have to do here in your locale. The other stuff will come. Mm -hmm. But you got to make the people locally feel if, if somebody in power is doing you and your community harm, they are less threatened by a tweet than they are about something that literally can impact them in their very backyard. Whether they be on the board of election supervisors or on the city council level, it has control over the police department or whether they're in a legislature. So just let me we do a little civics here, just so everybody's clear. When we do redistricting, we're talking about state legislatures, right, Marcos? And Congress. And Congress. But but it starts at yeah. the state. So, yeah. folks, we I don't vote for your state legislators. You do. Yeah. So the local engagement. And, and it's tough, too. This, this one jurisdiction I was talking to. Um, well, I'll tell you what it was. It was it was Delaware. And I knew it. You know, how you know something, but then you don't think about it. Marcos, Delaware. And the issue was we're talking about police violence, serious police violence in Delaware. You uh -huh. never hear about it. You know why? 
because Delaware doesn't really have any local television media. They get everything from Philly, right? Philly or sometimes New Jersey, whatever. Yeah. And Maryland. They told me to add really Baltimore. They get mm. that. So the TV coverage we get from other major markets, we don't see. So they're frozen out. And so we talked about that and the importance of trying to, to get the word about what out about what's happening there. And the same thing goes for every place else, folks. What you do locally is what makes the difference. And you can't get caught up in whether you're going to be on the Today Show or Good Morning America yet. <laughs> but you got to make those people feel it down on that level. Here, here in New York, we're about to have a mayoral race. And some folks think because they are national figures or something that that's going to make a difference in the New York mayoral race. But it's the, it's local. It's, it's, the local people are going to decide who the next mayor of New York is. You know, Andrew Yang thinks he has it locked up. And I know Andrew. Andrew's a decent person. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset if Andrew won. I'm not supporting anybody in particular. But what we're finding out and what he's even finding out, well, this is actually local. And that people are going to vote locally. We have to do the same thing everywhere and vote for people and remove people from office. They have to know that if they don't do the right thing on redistricting or voting rights or police violence, that there is a, a there is a concerned local organized and mobilized constituency that will move on people. So that's yeah. just kind of the song I've been singing, Marcos, because I find I see so many situations that require a local response. But it's like people have forgotten how to do that. And and that's one of the pitfalls of social media. It, it gives us a false sense of tangible uh, uh, action and results and outcome that may not. So the retweets, the likes, the shares, if that don't translate into a local politician feeling what you might be prepared to do to them don't mean nothing. It's easy to ignore Twitter by just not looking at it. And it doesn't it literally does not exist. Yeah. Well, I, I give you one more example. Watch this. Andrew Brown, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen the video. I, people, the lawyers who've seen told me it is gruesome. I mean, absolutely gruesome. Okay. They don't want to release it. The cops are fighting. So what does Rem Barber do? What did you hear what Rem Barber did? He didn't call yet for national clergy to come to North Carolina last year. You know what he did? He called for only and mobilized all local clergy, diverse backgrounds to march in North Carolina. So I talked to him and said, you want others of us? He said, no, 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 I don't want that yet. I want them to be clear. <laughs> these people who make these local decisions. Cause that's other thing people like to do. Like, oh, these are outsiders. And right. Dr. dealt with that. Dr. King right. dealt with outsider thing, you know, but he lived in Montgomery. So he wasn't outsider. Rem Barber deliberately, Marcos, told everybody who wants it, don't come. Don't come yet. It's time for that. We want this. We want to be clear. This is local. And so we had a thousand local clerks. I mean, that's powerful. So a local politician, yeah. wait a minute. I didn't see Mark Thompson and, and Rem Sharpton. Here, these are yeah. a thousand people who actually impact folk who vote here and do things in this state. You know, so that's where, I mean, I don't mean to go into a whole uh, sermon on that, but I'm just saying, folks, I, I've I'm not said that as often on the show as I've said it off the show. People call me to speak and do seminars and trainings. And I and I've done a lot of those lately. And that's just kind of been the, the the hymn book I've been singing from all spring going into the summer. What because what are we dealing with now? The biggest things, police violence, voting rights. And now, of course, we're dealing with redistricting. And those are all not coincidentally local, local, local. Yeah. Things. 
And then there's the minimum wage, which sort of overlays on that, right? And you have all these Republican governors that are rejecting unemployment benefits, federal benefits, because they say people can't hire, and it's because <laughs> they don't want to pay people what they're worth. Right, right. So people right. don't want to do it. And, and so there's this whole... Just uh, everybody paying attention. If you see an article that says, uh, you know, businesses have a hard time hiring because of people on unemployment, look in the article if it talks about raising wages. Yeah. They don't want to do that, right? And right. so they want they want the federal government basically to to enforce the government to enforce low wages on employees. And Republican governors are, you know, happily to to screw over low low wage earners. But again, it goes down to that, right? It's yeah. local organizing against that because they get away with it because their own constituents aren't voting, they're not engaged. Um, for whatever reason, I was supposed to have Barbara on, on on my podcast brief yesterday, and he canceled because they were actually gonna view the video. So I think the Reverend Barbara actually got to see the video yesterday. Man, I haven't talked to him, so he may. So, have, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's probably the best excuse <laughs> to cancel right. I've ever heard. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, so. but but again, folks, moral of the story: we celebrate National Holiday every January for someone a national holiday for someone who excelled in local struggle. Yeah. Think about that. That's just when everybody keep that in mind when we think about what we're doing and what we're going, how we're going to make moves. You yeah. might, some of you listening right now might be in a position to literally the old hymn says right in the corner where you are. And those far from Harbor, you can save at the same time. Marcos, Melissa's Thursday coast. Uh, always great having these discussions with Marcos. Do check out the brief. Don't be left out. Everyone's listening to the brief. You should do so as well. Please, ma'am. Please, sir. Thank you, Marcos. Such a pleasure. Thanks so much. And uh, if you haven't gotten vaccinated, you know what, Mark? Everybody listening to this has gotten vaccinated. I think we're good. <laughs> Let's get back I'm, to I'm, normal. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> and let me just say this, folks, to be clear. The, 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 the risk is... As it tapers off. So I, let me just tell Marcos this. I haven't told the audience this yet either. So here in New York, it's tapered off. People are kind of plateauing. You know, it's not a big thing anymore. The state and the city are saying, no, we can't play with that. So if you go to a Yankees, a Mets, or a Nets game, or a Knicks game, you can show up at the at the ballpark or the stadium and get vaccinated and get two tickets to go into the game. That's the incentivization ah, they're doing. Nice. That's, that's one. It. Uh -huh. Two, it was announced this week. I think about 10 subway locations. When you go ride the subway, you can get vaccinated right at the subway station. And they'll give you a free one-week subway pass. So that's what's happening here. And I think this this concern is, you know, not knowing what the fall is going to bring, not knowing whether there's going to be another variant. If enough people don't do it, then we the rest of us have to. And, and if those of us already have it, we don't want to go back and get a booster. But if everybody didn't get it, then we got to go back and get a booster. Yeah. It's just. And we may need a booster anyway, but can we at least wait till next year? Can we can we get a little bit of normal first? Yeah. Um, Cameron Webb of the White House uh, COVID equity response team, Dr. Cameron Webb, was on Make It Plain Tuesday. No, was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I can't keep up with the days and running together. Maybe it was Wednesday. And I asked him if the White House was already thinking booster. And he said that, that they in the science community, they really don't know yet, Marcos. Yeah. They are not sure yet. They, they've not. The science has not been clear yet on whether that's necessary. So, folks, if, if we may step doing it, but but let's not make it worse. And then we're right. We want stuff to stay open and stay open. You know, Marcos is right. Those of you who just have religious and moral objections, I understand. But that's 
mostly not people in the majority. A lot of folks just not taking it because they just not taking it. <laughs> you know, so you know, just 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 think about that. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Marcos. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Uh, all right, you too. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.